0: And welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read the chapters of Shonen Jump up on Viz.com and talk about a few of them. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Although as they keep adding more and more, it feels less and less like a few of them. Yeah. It's quite a lot now. Yeah. I don't know how long they're going to keep introducing stuff. We need to pare down once they stop. Maybe just pick one or two if there are too many more. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Actually, I guess before we start, we should say we also read Naruto Volume 1 this week, speaking of Shonen Jump manga. It does not get much more Shonen Jump than that. Not
1: really. Especially given this week's selection of chapters. Yeah, a lot of ancient Japanese culture mixed in with current modern times going on. So we'll start off with a new series, which is
0: Tokyo Shinobi Squad, Chapter 1, Gen Narumi. What did you think of this, Kevin?
1: I was pretty interested in this. The overall setting is Japan decided to globalize itself. So they made these giant space tramways to get to connect all the countries to Japan. But all that really happened is that meant all of the crime went to Japan. so it's now like the crime capital of the planet. It's
0: also the year 2049. Again, our friend Zach, who I do other podcasts with in the Discord, was saying Samurai 8 sounded like Shadowrun to him. No, this is Shadowrun. This
1: is totally Shadowrun. So the government and certain other companies and politicians hire Shinobi to deal with the lawlessness problem because they had technically existed for quite a long time, but they kind of came back to the fore. But it's more of a semi-futuristic society like people still have cars like it's not that far into the future but they have these giant space tramways that apparently connect everywhere to japan and the the goal was to make japan more modern and it ended up backfiring horribly
0: yeah i really really did not care for this chapter this is probably my least favorite of the new series i've introduced so far just because you were talking about the space tramways just bringing all sorts of crime to japan And that just felt really xenophobic to me, which, I mean, a lot of Japanese media is. But given the current political climate of the world, which is not something I super want to get into, I found that idea really distressing in, like, an escapist piece of media. That, like, just connecting to other people only brings you crime. And it's a super minor detail, but that was my immediate thought.
1: Gotcha. I didn't have that thought at all. I guess I can see where you're coming from, though.
0: The bigger thing that I didn't like about it is just how derivative it feels like it feels kind of amateurish and part of that is the literal language and i don't know if it's a translation issue or a original work issue but it feels like an original work issue because in a lot of ways this feels like naruto fanfic to me that got made into something more real Mm -hmm. like i don't i'm not super familiar with 50 shades of gray but i got that real feeling of it started out as fanfic and the serial numbers were kind of filed off lightly the main character looks a lot like naruto more so in the colored pages than he does in the actual manga itself but since the first thing we see is a colored cover and we see this character it's impossible not to make that connection right away gotcha and he's part of a ninja squad yep. and then also his attack basically he has magnet powers which i actually think are pretty cool his right hand repels things that his left hand attracts them Yep, But when he uses that power to repel someone, it 100% just looks like a Rasengan. And then he does a blast that is just 100% a Kamehameha. And the fights themselves didn't really have anything like exciting or dynamic in them to me. And it just felt like a greatest hit list of a lot of
1: manga I've seen already. I wasn't getting that vibe at all, but I do see where you're coming from with that. Just... Like I said, very little of it struck out to me
0: as like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. The shadow run Ninja setting is kind of interesting, but like I said, it's, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way to begin with. The villains are pretty much nothing, and the main character just feels like a very generic shonen protagonist, and not in a, oh, this is comforting way, so much as it feels very derivative to me. Mm-hmm. There is a joke in here about the main character, Jin, being responsible for the Justin Bieber incident, and that is like... That made me laugh at least, but that also seems like a weird, not dating of it, but like a weird reference to stuff that happens in the real world. Yeah. And again, part of it is also this guy like hangs out at a ramen stand the entire time, like, or I guess during his free time, and loves ramen. And again, it's impossible not to think of Naruto that entire time, at least for me. I wasn't having that problem at all, even having just read volume one of Naruto. We did read that this week, so it was on my mind. But I also did read that after all of this. so Gotcha. It just felt like I said. I looked at the comments for this because I was curious if anyone else was picking up the xenophobia vibe. And one comment I saw was just, this was aggressively mediocre. And I think that very much captures the way I felt about this chapter. Anything else you wanted to say about it? I feel a little bad <laughs> on that bad note, but that's no, pretty not much really. my entire feeling. We will keep reading and maybe it will get better because... I didn't particularly like Samurai 8's first chapter either, and that has improved greatly, I feel. Yep. Uh, speaking of, next we have Samurai 8 chapter 4, Family Argument, which actually I didn't think was a super great chapter of Samurai 8 either, if I'm being honest. What did you think about it, Kevin?
1: It was more transition-y. Like, so it was basically just Hachimaro deciding he's going to go on his quest With- against his father's wishes, pretty much.
0: Yeah, and I did like that bit. That's how the chapter ends, and I actually, that's the part of it that kind of resonated with me. I think my real problem with it was the cliffhanger last week was, oh, there's something more going on with Hachimara's dad than we know. And all we find out about that this week is there's something going on with Hachimara's dad that we don't know. Yeah. There's no reveal, there's no, like, even hint of what might be going on.
1: Well, there is a little hint of what's going on. We see the Hachimara's dad is being hunted by somebody.
0: Yeah. I guess. But I just didn't feel like we got any actual information on that, and that's the bulk of the chapter. The rest of it is Hachimaru kind of struggling with his desire to leave home when his overprotective dad wants him to stay, and that stuff lands pretty well.
1: Yeah, but I thought the whole leading into the fact that his dad, him and his dad are being hunted, which is kind of why he's being so overprotective. Like, he's scared of this crazy demon-looking person that we see an image of coming after him so that's why he's not saying anything i think that was just too vague to me like that could be a metaphor is my i guess my problem with that it
0: could be a literal thing that's after them that's
1: definitely a literal thing that's after him which is why he doesn't want hachimaru to leave the house i'm just not i guess i took it more metaphorically than you did i mean
0: i think it probably is a literal thing but we have no idea if it's a person or most likely it's a samurai of some sort yeah or if it's something else So I didn't hate the chapter, I just found it, the last two Samurai 8 chapters were really, really good, and I found this one to just be okay.
1: Yeah, like I said, it was more transition-y, but it's not like I didn't like it.
0: So, transitioning into something I'll be a bit more positive about, next we have One Piece chapter 944, Partner. Which also feels a bit more transition-y than past chapters of One Piece, but at least there was a lot of cool stuff going on here. And stuff you can read into, at least that's how I felt about it. Yeah. Yeah. In particular, we see the Straw Hats, who are all at the execution, all kind of forced into action. And it's been a really long time,
1: I feel like, since we've seen the Straw Hats all working together. Yeah, Yeah. that was really nice, seeing everybody come together.
0: No, it isn't actually all of them. Obviously, Luffy's off in prison. Chopper is with Big Mom. Brooke is elsewhere. But Frankie, I feel like it's been forever since he's been even even like a little scrape. Partly because I just think his Dress Rosa fight was probably the weakest part of that arc. And that was two arcs. That was like four years ago now. Yeah. But seeing Frankie jump in even just to tank bullets was pretty cool. And then, of course, like we set up last week, you have Zoro and Sanji. And then Nami and Usopp get dragged in, too. Yep. Which is all pretty cool. And we also see Kyoshiro again, whose name I wrote down, who is the guy we theorized might be a rebel sympathizer. Yep. And he's the one actually protecting the Shogun. And he's just like has a slight comment. And is like, after all, I am the Shogun's dog. And I'm really interested to see what's going on with that character. Maybe they're just setting up a fight with him and Zoro later. But I have a feeling there's more going on with him.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, he was the one who killed the Orochi. So obviously something is going on with him because, you know, she's alive. Yeah. And somebody with the ability to cut Zoro's sword slashes out of the air wouldn't have failed to murder a defenseless woman. Yeah. The other half of this chapter is cutting over back to
0: the prison where they've recaptured Kid and his one of his crewmates who we found out has been forced to eat one of the smile fruits. Yeah, it's uh Killer, the guy in the mask. Yeah. Which of course pisses off Kid. And so Luffy's kind of defensive of them and so the it's not the warden, but Queen, the person who is running the
1: running fight with the Luffy, sh- yeah, running they, the show now.
0: Yeah. Is like, "Well, okay, I'm going to put their Heads in water, enough to drown them. And I will stop as soon as you die, Luffy. So if you want to go ahead and let us kill you, that's fine. But if not, you don't know them anything. You don't know them. Yep. And then Luffy just gets pissed and says, hey, the one who decides who will di- who dies is me. Which is not a super Luffy thing to say. No. But like that made it have an impact. And the last panel is, hey, Big Mom showed up.
1: Yep. And the right before that, the guards were mentioning, oh, Queen is uh really cranky today. He hasn't had his... Gamu, or whatever the whatever the food he likes is.
0: Which is also the one that Chopper promised Big Mom yeah. by coincidence, which we already knew. But yeah,
1: so stuff's going on in One Piece. Yeah. Which
0: brings us down to Double Taisei Chapter 3, School of Rock, which I thought was going to be more focused on the guitar stuff, <laughs> given the name of the chapter, but not really. It's all just school. Yep. So Tai has been gone for five days and says is basically like, hey, yeah, he'll be back. Yep. I don't know if we're supposed to take it that he's in denial or if the writer wants us to treat this as casually as Say is. Yeah, I had kind of tone problems with this entire chapter because yeah. of that.
1: This one was definitely weird.
0: So then Say is trying to pretend to be Thai, but he doesn't know anything about school life because he's never been in school before yep. since he's always been awake at night. And the teacher loves bullying geniuses, so he loves this chance to make fun of who he thinks is Ty, which is a weird beat. Yep. Then there's this girl with a crush on Ty who tries to get, say, to play Shogi against her, and he doesn't want to do it, but he decides to show her how he was going to finish that game he got disqualified from for time limit. Yep. And she's like, oh, man, I knew you were the best. I'm sorry I thought it was a bad move, too, until you showed it to me. And I don't know if there's anything going, like, building there or not, really? Yeah,
1: it's definitely a very weird chapter.
0: Yeah, and so it kind of ends with the girl de- hyphen friend convincing, say, to play Shogi in Tai's place so he won't lose his spot and qualifying for the pro circuit. Yep.
1: And there's a weird line at the end about everything revolving around the sun. Yeah. That it seemed really out of place to me. It's probably some weird translation of a Japanese saying that I, I didn't think so, come
0: across but it, to us. It's a really bad translation, I yes. think. So, yeah, we left a real weird flavor in my mouth. Yeah. Which it was true last week, too, but I was curious if you did the same for you, since you were more excited to see where this was going.
1: Well, we don't have, what was his name, Hyogen? Whatever the the one guy who pushed Ty down the stairs? Like, he's not even in this chapter. Yeah. So, I, I'm just, I'm confused. Me too. Oh, uh, it's a...
0: I really don't know where it's going. And like I said last week, you seemed excited by that and I just seemed perplexed and I continue to be perplexed.
1: Well, I thought he was going to show up and like explain what had happened and there was going to be a dynamic between them. It's like, no, nah, he's just gone. Oh. Okay. He can always show up later. He can. He's not but... like off he's not like taken off to prison. No, but he just he's not there. So I was expecting something.
0: Which brings us to my hero academia, chapter two thirty, Sadman's Pride. Which is another pretty transitioning chapter, although at least it's a continuation from the emotional high of last week. Yep. With Twice
1: just making an army of himself and being like, the Twices are here to save the day. Yep. And we see him making so many clones. He covers like two city blocks in the sheer, like he's just literally flooding the streets with Twices.
0: Yeah, and I, a lot of my notes are just twice dialogue because they're like, oh, man, it sounds like uh, some sort of weird heroic origin story. And twice is like, nah, just what good villain wouldn't come save his friends? And then like the rest of the chapter is just them being like, hey, don't finish this too quickly. Remember the plan. We need Gigantimachia to like be weakened by these dudes.
1: Yep. And it won't work if they're all taken out by like if he makes an infinite number of Dobbies. Yeah. Which is his plan at first, but he's like, ah, oh, no, that'll end the fight way too quickly. Yep, yeah, you'll incinerate the whole town.
0: Yeah. And we also find out that Dobby kind of, like, burns himself when he uses his powers, so... Yep. He's got to wrap up his fight quickly. But the, like, mysterious benefactor whose name, I, I don't remember what name he gave them. The doctor. Yeah, the doctor is like, oh, this won't go well. All for one would be pissed if his apprentice died this way. So he, like, forcefully wakes up Machia. Yep, And that's the cliffhanger at the end, which is kind of anticlimactic isn't the right word, but the whole chapter is like, oh, we can't end this too quickly. We got to remember the plan. Yep. And then he just wakes up, which I guess is probably mostly because there's no more story to tell, but
1: you could easily just have twice have stalled for an hour, I feel. I feel the like dro- that, would be, that would be difficult. Like I think that was part of the problem that they were having is they were struggling with well, I can make an infinite number of Dobbies, but that'll solve it too quickly. But an infinite number of Mees isn't doing as much. Like, we're still getting taken out by that, like, the Ice Nito takes out most of Twice's clones in a single attack.
0: Yeah, that's true. But I feel like Twice could have just made more. There doesn't seem to be an upper limit on it. He could, but it was just kind of, well, if they have more guys like this, we need to be worried. That's true, I guess. I just, like I said, it seemed like either you escalate it and make them, put them on the back foot, or you just skip ahead. It just seemed weird to me. It's not like a, a chapter ruining or anything.
1: No, I honestly, I just felt like that this could have been solved a couple chapters ago by just making the time limit shorter. Like, if they only have to stall for half an hour that's, instead of, like, two.
0: That's fair, but then it makes the drama of Toga almost dying a lot
1: like less important because he just needs to stall for a couple minutes. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like half an hour. So like right when they get into that, it's he has to stall for half an hour, not two hours. <laughs> like that, that just seems too long of a time frame to stall. So it, and the closer it is, it's like, oh no, Toga almost died. I only have to stall for another ten minutes. Like we were only ten minutes away, kind of thing makes the tension even higher as you're getting racing down to the end game. So that pretty
0: much brings us to Beast Children Chapter 2, A Beast That Lacks Fangs, which was another, I feel, kind of weird chapter. Yeah. I just, I don't want to say it was boring, because that's not quite how I felt about it, but it seemed very perfunctory, like, this is the next chapter that had to happen. I was pretty excited by the first chapter of Beast Children, but this was kind of just more stuff happening. Yeah. Where he gets, he tries to figure out what school, what high school Yukito is going to, so he can go to the same school and play rugby with him. Yep. He ends up getting bullied by some bullies, but doesn't fight them because he's a rugby athlete, not a ruffian. Yeah. And that impresses Yukito enough to have him say, hey, this is the school you should go to. They just got, they're a relatively new school and they're already in like the top eight rugby schools in Japan. Yep. But it's not the school that Yukito gets into. Well, we don't actually know. Well, I guess he's not on the list. I took it as he decided he wanted Sakura more as a rival than a teammate. So he sent them to another school. And he's going to, like, the top rugby school. Possibly. But it is also possible that he, like, got in automatically somehow. And so he's not on the list or anything like that. Yep. But like I said, just not much of a chapter, in my opinion. Not really. Which brings us to Chainsaw Man Chapter 24, Curse. Which is mostly just one fight.
1: But I thought this fight was pretty well done.
0: And there are things I like about it and things I don't. It's mostly Aki needing to fight the sword devil. Yep. And he so he pulls out his sword, which power calls a spike, but it does just look like a sword to me.
1: Yeah, it looked like a nail. Like, it looked like it wasn't sharp on the edges. It was just a point. He does use it only to thrust, so.
0: There's that. And each time he hits him, he starts counting down from three. And... Cat. someone else
1: counts down from three and did you not notice the fingers flicking the sword I did not at all like okay. I was gonna that say, was, that I, was a huge detail that I thought was really cool I went through this
0: chapter twice because I found this fight very difficult to read like the entire time I noticed the counting I noticed him like going through like I was staring at that sword trying to figure out why power call did a spike maybe this is on me but the art seemed really
1: unclear on a bunch of stuff to me I Didn't have any of that problem. So the way I saw it, he would stab the guy. A finger comes off panel and flicks it. And then a disembodied pair of lips says three. Yeah, that I got. And then every time he stabbed it, another finger comes off panel and flicks the sword again. And then that's where those two hands that come up to crush him to death when it gets down to zero comes from or like when he gets picked up it's all the fingers of the devil that Aki has done this contract with the sword with yeah so I thought it was really cool that that they had the fingers of the demon literally coming like from the center of the page flicking the thing like they're literally coming out of reality to affect it that is a cool idea but I didn't read that way at all to me like, I didn't even read it as
0: two hands crushing him. It makes a lot of sense, given Aki's other powers and how devil contracts work in this series. So, I think you're right. It just didn't read that way at all to me. I gotcha. And then I felt like the entire bit was also kind of undermined by the way this chapter ends, which is this woman show- that we've never seen before shows up and, like, kind of berates the devil for losing and then just, like, kind of puts her hand on its shoulders and it gets back up. Yeah, and it does that samurai kill thing to Aki, where they pass each other, and then Aki is just exploding in blood. Yeah, which does raise the stakes, but like it just felt really anticlimactic to me. Like it felt like in a lot of ways we're not starting the chapter where we ended it because now Aki's down as well. But it seemed like a weird way to show off this power.
1: Well, the guard even mentioned that it lost. Like, yeah, clearly it was the girl doing something.
0: Yeah, it that is all clear. It just seemed really weird to me to introduce this new character from off panel to kind of undo what was accomplished here from the hero's point of view sense, not in the like, narrative sense. The yeah. story was moved forward. I'm not trying to say it
1: wasn't. Yeah. Well, I feel Denji's going to pick himself up for this next chapter.
0: Probably. Or given all the blood, maybe power will do something. Maybe. There's lots of blood for her to play with. Yep. And that brings us to Food Wars Chapter 313, Divine Tongue at a Loss which is another transitioning chapter. There is some stuff in here. I really like mostly arena being like, just like in the grips of anxiety yep. and kind of depression about not knowing what to do in the finals. We find out that she won off panel because obviously she did yeah, already. And so the finals will be her and Soma, which is what I wanted. And Erina's mom starts the chapter out by saying, Hey, Soma, like this is a specialty. This is true gourmet. You are a very good cook, but this is not something I've never seen before. Yep. Like you have not yep. actually succeeded at my goal, but there's still the finals, So you could, yep. and I hope you do. So like I said, most of this chapter is devoted to Aaron's anxiety. And as somebody who is clinically diagnosed with anxiety, I do really respect that and kind of appreciate what she's going through. The kind of ending where Soma like kind of tries to, he doesn't literally slap her, but basically verbally slaps her to try and shock her out of it. is a little problematic it's very tropey i don't like hate it but as someone who's gone through that stuff that can work with the right person and maybe erina is that sort of person but i couldn't help but think oh that's not really how you get someone out of this funk
1: necessarily well and i don't also specifically think that's what he was trying to do like he was trying to do it a little bit because he tasted her soup and was like wow that's kind of crappy I wanted to have an actual Shokugeki with you, not just fighting against the contest of coming up with a new dish. So this is what I'm going to make. And so I feel like it's going to kind of save both of the Nikiri family. Yeah,
0: I definitely got that feeling, too, just the way they're going about it. Like I said, I was not offended by it. I was just like, this is kind of like, I like that Arina is struggling with this, but like it does not seem like... I'm afraid that Soma is going to have to save her, which I've been saying from the beginning of the arc is kind of what I don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. Now, I was expecting it to be a more literal Soma and Saiba in the finals and he'd have to save her. And I'm really glad they didn't go that way. Yeah. But even like saving her from herself is like just a slightly different form of that. That's better, but still not what I want. Yeah. And so the cliffhanger is Aaron, his grandpa and dad talking. And his dad being like, well, I sure screwed it up, huh? And he's like, yeah, but now it's time for my secret grandpa plan. Yep. Which I guess does make sense. But like I said, did not get a ton out of Food Wars this week. I mean, you're probably noticing the theme. I did not think this week's Shonen Jump was all that great. Yeah. There was almost no chapter that made me go, oh, yeah. Food Wars is still Food Wars, though, and it was pretty good. I am excited to see Erina and Soma continue to duke it out. And like I said, even the way they portray Erina's anxiety... Like, that was very visceral to me. It felt very well done. I'm just afraid of there being, like, a tropey solution. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about it, Kevin? Not really. Okay, then that brings us to Demon Slayer Chapter 160. Similar features returning memories. I feel like you'll have more to say about this one than me.
1: Probably. What were your thoughts on Demon Slayer this week? So, I kind of like this. So, knowing Inosuke's backstory, he was raised by boars and... That's why he's got the, not the fist of the beast fang, but it's like breathing form beast. Because they all have, it's like breathing form water, whatever. So his is the beast fang. He was reigned by boars in the wild. And the demon that he's found is like, I know I've seen you before. And we get revealed that the demon actually knew Inosuke's mother and had actually killed her. So... We find out over the course of the fight that Inosuke, you saying that us meeting is fate. Not only do I get to fight you for killing the water Hashira that I liked as a person, I also get to kill the demon who killed my mother. And he gets super pumped about that.
0: Yeah, and I definitely did like this chapter. A lot of the the flashback stuff, specifically always we see about Inosuke's mom and like, the, D- the upper moon, too, is like, yeah, she was abused by her husband and she came to me, but I couldn't, like, she figured out what I was doing and I couldn't convince her eating people was okay. Yep. And I do like particularly her being like, oh, I'm sorry, Inosuke, your mom's an idiot. She always goes to bad people. Yep. I mean, I feel terribly sorry for her, but I like, you do beat yourself up in that way if you've got that sort of depression. So I really appreciated that bit. And I do like the flashback and how now it's personal, but I get it. Like I say about Demon Slayer a lot, it's just typical Shonen stuff. What really shines about it is the art. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems is all of the men, I feel like, have very similar faces, which is not a criticism I've wanted to make about Demon Slayer before, but when Inosuke got unmasked, it just looked really similar to a lot of other characters to me, which is not to say he's completely indistinct, but that bugged me a lot more this week in particular than it usually does. I got you. Not a terrible chapter, though. I am excited to continue reading Demon Slayer. This has been a pretty good fight so far. And it is kind of the one we entered the series on. So I'm excited to see how it resolves. Yep. Which leads us to the last Sayuki, chapter 13, The Last Cry, which is mostly a bunch of exposition. Yeah. Mr. Furuka sees a member of the Followers of Chaos and is trying to interrogate him. Yep. But the like, chaos guy just like doesn't defy interrogation, but just keeps telling him what's happening before he asks, basically, Yep.
1: to try to kind of get him off guard. Well, and he's also kind of like, you're asking all these questions, but asking me these questions isn't the correct thing to be doing at the moment. Like, you're already screwed.
0: Yeah. He's like, because you started killing them, that's actually going to accelerate our plans. So, like, it's possible your backup could have gotten here in time. Yep. But now... It won't happen.
1: Yeah. We also find out that the follower of Chaos has the Nyobu implanted in his body. So we see his arm got severed, but two sticks out of the Nyobu fell and catch his arm and reattach it to him. And he, the short guy mentions that this guy is closer to the true human form than I am.
0: Yeah. And the rest of it is mostly the part that I think is a lot better, actually, is Rionosuke and, and Estelle, Estelle talking. And her being like, hey, give me a second. I have to change into my magical girl uniform. And the flashback to how, like, they do that to psych themselves up. And yeah. Ryanosky's like, hey, you don't have to do this if you're scared. And she's like, it's not fair. Like, I just want to do this because I want to do this. You have this, like, grand, like, you have a sister to do it for. Yep. But Ryanosky's like, no, I'm doing this for me because I want to live with my sister. She never asked me to do any of this.
1: Yeah, I'm not doing it for her. I'm doing it for me, with her. There's yeah. also a cool bit where Estelle outruns Riyanosuke's Niobu. Yes. And he's like, wow, if you're that fast, no wonder why you don't bother extending your Niobu, but doesn't that make it more dangerous because you have to get closer to the monsters to do it?
0: Yeah, and specifically when he says that one of them, since they're like wolves, like gets behind her and he has to take out the one on her flank Yep, for her. It is a cool scene, though. And basically what's happening is all the collar wolves are Fusing into one is the evil plan, I yep. think. A lot of the exposition stuff like, didn't really make sense to me, and I don't think it was supposed to. Yeah. I think it's just planting words and ideas for later. I did like it, because I really like Last Sayuki, but a lot weaker than Last Sayuki typically is, I felt. Again, I feel like it was a pretty poor week for Shonen Jump, all things considered, especially after we've had a couple of really strong ones. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the promised Neverland chapter 136 maze, which is mostly
1: Emma and Ray continuing to be stuck in this maze. Yeah, but they now figure out it's a maze. They also figure out that the seven walls reference space and time. Like, so six walls form the spatial coordinates of reality, and then the seventh wall is time. Yes. And I
0: actually did really like that bit. But they like they're like that that doesn't actually help us like overcome it. Like, I guess the way we solve this is we have to overcome time. Yep. But that doesn't seem like something humans can do.
1: Yeah, but that's kind of setting the stakes of they at least now they have an idea of what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And I did like that bit.
0: I also really liked the cliffhanger where they get to this desert and the riddle they're supposed to solve has a lot of desert imagery. So, like, should we try to take this literally?
1: Yep. But as they do, like Emma gets so young she just kind of disappears. Well, she turns into a baby, so that's where we see Ray with the baby, and we also see her face start breaking up into puzzle pieces and yeah. get blown away by the wind. Which and again so... I took as her getting so young she disappeared, but I think I know where you're going, so continue on. Yeah, because then we see that's why Ray was like, I've it felt like I've spent forever here as he's trying to collect all the pieces of her face. Yeah. Like, that's why he feels like it's hopeless, as he's trying to collect all the pieces of Emma. But then, not quite baby Emma, like
0: toddler Emma, jumps through from the way they came, and is like, right, I think I figured it out. Yep. Which I really did appreciate, both as a cliffhanger and just as, it's not really a comedy beat, but it's a much lighter beat than the ones that just went, happened, so. Yep. It's a nice change of tone. So I am looking forward to Promise Neverland, but again, it just felt like where treading water isn't the right term because a chapter like this needed to happen, but it doesn't feel like a lot happened here. Although I guess like the reveal of what the seven walls are is probably a pretty nice payoff if you are reading back when
1: they were introduced, I imagine, because I do like the idea there. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Like Initially, that was a lot of the terror of going to see the demon symbol name guy is they, like, literally one person has done it, so they know it at least can be done, but they have no clue what to do. It's like, we need to go complete the trial. We don't even know what the trial is. Like, we have to just go through the gate and hope we can figure it out on the other side. And so they're actually starting to figure it out, and I thought it was really neat.
0: And last but not least, we're going to talk about We Never Learned question 113. Sometimes X dances with aspects of fortune-telling. Which is pretty, we never learn, right? Lots of shenanigans. I really like the climax of this one. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. But it's sometimes hard to talk about we never learn because there's a situation and it leads to romantic comedy situations. Yep. This one is Furuhashi sees like a horoscope show at the beginning of the day and she's like, I don't really believe in this, but like anything that has to do with stars, I just get really invested in. Yep. And it's like, basically, it's like, hey, this is a great day for love for your star symbol. You'll get, like, stroked on the chin and patted on the head softly. And you'll drive till midnight. Yeah. And so she's studying with yugia and, like, st- just keeps happening. You'll get fed by hand is one of them. And, like, she drops one of her snacks and Yugia catches it awkwardly, but in such a way that he, like, puts it in her mouth. Yep. And then a waitress spills water on her. So he grabs a towel and is drying her hair off.
1: Yep. And so she's like, all right, I just need to separate myself from him because we've already completed four of the six things that the horoscope said would happen, but I don't want to do that to Ogata and Uraka. So I need to just distance myself from him and then we can't have these silly situations happening. But he chases her down because she paid, she essentially gave him like a $100 bill to pay for the dinner or like the lunch that they had. He's like, that's a lot of money. Because, you know, we know she's rich now, so. And she's she, kind of poor. Yeah, so he's like, that was still a lot of money. I needed to give you back your change. Yeah, and then, so
0: Ogata and Uraka are on the other side of the street. But a truck kind of pulls in front of them. And so Furuhashi, like, pushes him into it. So that they will be hidden from Uraka and Ogata. Because yep. she doesn't want them to see them together. But then the truck door gets closed. And Yugi is like, well, they have to open up eventually. And she's like, well, I have a feeling it won't be till midnight. Yep. They have to cuddle together for warmth, which is basically the last thing on there. Yep. But then 20 minutes later, the truck opens up and it's a delivery truck. and They're bringing books to for Hashi's uh, dad. It was Amazon JP. It was on the boxes.
1: Uh, I did not see the Amazon, but that makes sense. Yep. I definitely took it as, oh, it's basically Amazon. It, yeah, it was just literally Amazon. It was on some of the boxes. It just said Amazon JP on it. Gotcha. And
0: he's like, what are you doing in there with my daughter?
1: Yep. And then Furuhashi notices the word pun that her dad is named Reggie, which also can be read as Midnight, so they were on a truck to Reggie.
0: Yeah, which is a pretty good pun. And then he's like, oh yeah, I just was ordering a bunch of books for my class, that's what I gotta do. Because I'm a teacher, you know, but then one of the boxes spilled, and it's all like books, like titles like, How to Understand Your Adolescent Daughter.
1: Yep, and horoscopes for girls, and yeah. stuff like that. And his dad's like, it's for my students, I swear. <laughs> and you, he is like, oh, you're using these to teach math. And Hashi's like,
0: why are you such an idiot? Yep. Which is a pretty good ending. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. It was a pretty nice way to end this magazine. And like I said, I was pretty down on it. And we'll get more into that in the next segment, which is Jump Card. So Jump Card is the segment where we rank chapters from our least favorite up
1: to our favorite. We have 19 this week. Is a lot. It is. So what did you put on the bottom, Kevin? At the bottom, I have Haikyuu because I was just, again, kind of bored with it. Like, And I've just kind of been struggling with Haikyuu for a while now. It's just kind of, all right, so here's another chapter of Haikyuu and volleyball stuff happened. But uh, it looked like the guys were going to start winning, but then they didn't. Oh, really? Because I thought Haikyuu was a lot better
0: than normal this week. Maybe it's just cuz like I said I was really unimpressed with this week's offerings but this reminded me a lot of what I liked about Haikyuu when we very first started reading it and that we get one of the players backstories and we get this like cool bit about how he used to be super worried about everything and spend all his time practicing until someone said hey if you don't like it why don't you just quit and at that he's like yeah I could always quit and he's like I don't want to quit but like the fact that I don't have to do this and like I'm choosing to do this is actually really freeing. Like, that I could quit any day. So I put Haikyuu kind of on the high side this week. At least for Haikyuu. It's still in the bottom half. Mm-hmm. At the bottom, I put Yui Kamiyo. It's Be- my number 18. Because it's the thing you're always talking about, about it not being very funny. There's yep. a lot of setup for joke here. It's a, like, comedic situation. But not one of the jokes lands, in my opinion, this week.
1: Yep. And, and there's- the thing that really threw me was the bit at the end where Yui and white willingly takes off her chain to turn into Yui in black. And it's like, wait, so she's aware that She's got a demon inside of her. Now I'm super confused. See, and that's the one thing I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like,
0: what does that actually mean? But it is like, it, so far has not seemed like she has been aware of that.
1: Yeah, and it seems like she's been specifically not aware of it. Like, that was really what threw me off was she's like, oh, yeah, I'm aware that I have this demon inside of me. Wait, what? Why don't you act like it then? Like, why, why are you always concerned when people are acting your friends are acting weird around you when they know you have their or you could probably guess that they're trying to stop the demon from coming out like it just felt very poorly executed
0: yeah and presumably we might get some of that next chapter i know you don't want to give you cameo much uh, benefit of the doubt but yeah it was definitely weird though i will agree with you on that my number 18 is tokyo shinobi i like i said that comment really really well encapsulated
1: my feelings which it was aggressively mediocre Hmm. My number 17 was Double Taisei, because it was just very, very weird and not where I thought it was going, so now I'm just kind of confused. That's where I was last
0: week on Double Taisei. I also actually put Double Taisei a bit higher. At number 17, I have Black Clover, because it kind of just did all the stuff about Black Clover I don't super love. I really like where the status quo of Black Clover is right now, but it's just fight scene that's hard to follow. Yep.
1: My number 16 was Beast Children. Because I'm not a huge sports manga fan. And this was just kind of like, all right, so now they're not even going to go to the same school. But I thought they were all going to be on the same team. Now I'm super confused. So, like, maybe they will end up. But it was just very weird. My
0: 16 is also Beast Children. Pretty much all the reasons you just gave. It was okay. But didn't really excite me at all. And it was just a weird beat.
1: Yep. So my number 15 was Dr. Stone because the main reason that I didn't really like this chapter is so we have, they're going to do the beautification process on Kohaku, but they start by changing her into a nice looking dress. And then Senko is like, oh yeah, well, I need the lab in order to make all the makeup. So, So why didn't you start with that? Like, it leads to shenanigans because she's in the dress. And it's like, that literally just seems manufactured. Like Senku would have immediately gone all right well, before we do this, I need to get the lab to make all the makeup supplies. yeah this had a we never learned
0: vibe to it to me and I appreciated it for that. It's definitely not as good as we never learn. yeah, but I like the like weird trick shenanigans at the end so I put Dr Stone a bit higher this week. Yeah,
1: it was just that weird they clearly were setting up shenanigans and I felt like it was just very forced like it's not like Senku being like, oh no, there's one more thing that we need to do and for that I'm going to need the lab. Literally his statement was, well, while she looks nice in the dress, I need the lab to make all the makeup supplies that I just said I was going to be able to make 10 minutes ago. And that just kind of seems forced as like, oh no, she's in her dress and now she can't fight as well because she's wearing weird heels and isn't in her fighting clothes. And they took away her sword and shield. So it just felt very forced to me even though there were funny bits at the end. My number 15 is Jujutsu Kaisen. I really like like the mechanics
0: of the fight in Jujutsu Kaisen this week, but mm-hmm. like Black Clover it was easy to get lost in, I felt. I feel like if I'd read more Jujutsu Kaisen I probably would have liked it a bit more, but I also get the feeling the more Jujutsu Kaisen the I read it's not really for me. But there were some cool
1: ideas in this fight. So I put it above Black Clover. Gotcha. So my number 14 was Hell's Paradise. Hey mine too. There were some cool stuff in here. The blind samurai guy kind of explains, all right, so I'm going to separate us into these are our Tao affinities. And so if you fight somebody who's your opposite, who you're strong against, you'll do well. If you're fighting against somebody who you're weak against, you should try and run away. And the girl Mei, Mao, something like that, mentions, all right, well, I think the higher-ups are these affinities. So like we kind of have a goal, even though they're like, I like the one guy points out, I was like, all right, cool, that's their names. We don't know who they are. Like, how is that actually going to help us set up these fights so that we have our strong people versus their weak people? Was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, and I like the emotional beat up. He's like, you can all leave if you want. We have no reason to work together. But then they all kind of come together. Yep. That works well, too.
1: Hell's Paradise is weird, though. Yeah. What do you have at 13. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at 13, so I liked it just a little bit more because I liked the teamwork beat of Itadori, I think is his name. I'm I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but the main character and the girl that's part of his team, they just have when it's like, all right, well, he's been pounding on the kind of weaker guy, so now he's going to go after the stronger guy, I'm going to go after the weaker guy, and we're going to kind of watch each other's backs, and the butterfly backface guy is like, well, she's open now. I can go after her. There's no way this kid's going to beat me. And they just, it explains it. But they have the moment of she wasn't concerned about being attacked at all because, you know, she knew Itadori would stop him. I put
0: double Taisei at 13. I agree with everything you said about Jujutsu Kaisen, by the way. I just, I, I enjoyed watching the fight. I enjoyed the beats, but I could not explain what was going on afterwards, mm-hmm. which is part of my problem with it. And I feel like I feel the same way you do about Double Taisei. I just, I guess the beat with the girl he was playing shogi with kind of played in an interesting way to me, and I am curious where that goes. But it's a really like off balancing read. I feel.
1: Mm-hmm. So for number twelve, I had Black Clover because it's a typical shonen fight. So I don't have a as much of a problem with the art style of Black Clover as you do. So it just went a little bit higher for me.
0: I have Haikyuu at number 12, and I feel like I said my piece on that. I really like the like backstory flashback stuff we got, and I feel like that's where Haikyuu is strong, whereas when it's just volleyball, my eyes really do glaze over, and I just try
1: to get through it quickly. I did enjoy this week's chapter a bit more than that. Gotcha. I have We Never Learned 11, because I liked a lot of the stuff above it this week, so it was a good chapter of We Never Learned, but... It just ended up down there for me.
0: Yeah, and I didn't, so that's going to cause We Never Learn to go higher for me. I guess I also did. Just We Never Learn is quite a bit higher for me. At 11, I have Chainsaw Man, and we pretty much talked about that, why I feel that way when we talk about Chainsaw Man. Mm -hmm. Have I just found the fight really hard to read, and it was all fight?
1: Yep. My number 10, I have Tokyo Shinobi Squad, because I liked the setting a lot more. And like when we said when we were talking about the chapter, I didn't get the xenophobic thing out of it, or I wasn't getting as much of a, oh, well, he's just doing this looks like this, and this looks like this. So I'm excited for it, and I hope it pulls a Samurai for you as well, where you weren't as enthused about the chapter, whereas I was much more interested in the setting and just hoping that the story gets better. Yeah, it's
0: just I could see with Hachimaru, like there's a character there and it's a bit cliche, but I could at least see even then why you would want to root for that guy where I can't with Jin. But like you, I do hope that chapter two, it's just like, oh, this is way better.
1: Really? I mean, I know it's kind of it's kind of a typical shonen thing, but his whole thing is like, no one ever hurts my friends. And that was clearly shown in the thing like that's literally all right. I like this end kid. So you're gonna join my squad so that no one's gonna mess with you. Yeah, just it didn't play well to me. Where are we, number
0: ten? Yep, that's where I have Doctor Stone. I did like it a bit more than you because, like I said, I like the shenanigans at at the end. And it didn't like track to me as immediately like, oh, this was why did we put you in a dress first? I did find the ending kind of weird, where like the fact that their plan works feels like they literally are in we never learned for a minute because the villains have to act in kind of a dumb way. Yeah. For their plan to work. But also it is kind of a fun and clever plan. Yeah. And plus, they have to do some fake out make out. And that's always a plus one to
1: a chapter in my book. Yep. So my number nine was Act Age. So in this, we finally have the actual famous actor guy doing his script read. And I liked how they showed that he's got just this kind of magnetic personality. Like everything gets drawn into him. So they're like, he hasn't memorized the script he, doesn't even, he didn't even read the staff list to see who the director was, but I was just kind of lost in his acting. Like, I couldn't compare. And he mentions Yonagai, know, like, don't worry about it. Everyone who acts with me tends to do that. They kind of tend to start, like, tensing up and overacting around me because they notice how simple and easy it seems for me.
0: Yeah. I put that quite a bit higher actually because i really liked those ideas in there and nine i actually have the promised neverland again i feel like we talked about why mostly when we talked about that i did like the reveal of what the seventh wall is and all that and i really like the cliffhanger but the rest it just seemed like there was a lot of maze stuff that i'd already figured Mm -hmm. was gonna happen
1: so my number eight was samurai like i said when we were talking about the chapter i felt it was a little transitiony but I thought it was really cool, and I thought we still got the payoff to find out that Hachimaru and his dad are being hunted by somebody who might turn out to be one of the main villains.
0: Yeah, and ironically, I put Samurai Eight a bit higher again, just because I thought pretty weak magazine overall this week. I have Demon Slayer at number eight. I like I said, I did like the chapter. I just really felt like I would have gotten more out of it if I cared about Inosuke more. But I do like. I was already invested in that this fight, and still am. So yeah, it didn't like detract from it in any way. It was just like another piece of it.
1: Yep. So I have number food wars. Number, number food wars? Number- I have number food wars at seven. Because this was just kind of transitioning. setting up the fight between Soma and Arena, And I'm looking forward to it. And also kind of a reveal of what the grandfather's plan is for Arina. But that's all that really happened in this.
0: I have Samurai 8 at number seven. Because I like the irony of that. Also... Like I said, I did like the ending of it pretty well. I just found it dis- I found it disappointing more than bad, I suppose. Gotcha. It wasn't what I wanted to have happen this chapter, but it wasn't
1: bad. So I have Demon Slayer number six because I really liked the kind of here's a goal for Inosuke and I really like him as a character. And so getting a motivation of like him being, I was raised by boars. No, clearly you're a human, you had a human mother, and now him kind of being like, wait, so I just found out that I have a mother and now you told me you murdered her. That's not going to go well for you.
0: Yeah. And I got We Never Learn at 6 because, again, I liked it pretty well. The climax in particular really had me laughing. Yep. So everything above it I liked fairly well, even if I said a negative about it when we were talking about it before.
1: Yep. So I have the Promise Neverland at number five because I really liked this stuff about the seven walls being space-time and them kind of figuring that out. They're like, oh, so we have to transcend space and time as regular humans. And just what kind of demon is this thing that it can mess with space and time? Like, how are we supposed to fight something like that? So I just thought it was pretty cool.
0: I put Food Wars at number five again. I really liked the way Arina's like anxiety and depression was conveyed, but I am a little worried about how they're gonna deal with it. And also, I don't want Arina to like not be in this fight. Although I suppose that saves her for later. She and Soma can have another Shokugeki later, where she's actually on her game and it can be a different thing.
1: Yep. My number 4 was my hero because I I liked even though it was kind of transitioning I liked that it was writing the high of the emotional bit of Dobby or not Dobby twice. twice from the last chapter and I definitely loved the reference that and I forget what his name is the magician guy in the mask being like this sounds like it's out of some kind of hero story which wasn't literally coming out and saying this sounds like it's a story out of shonen manga but that's basically what he was saying yeah and Dobby being like, no, that's that's not what happened. Or not Dobby. I keep saying Dobby. Twice. Twice being like, no, that's not what happening. I'm just here to save my friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, friendship.
1: <laughs> I was like, that's a Shonen. <laughs> that's Shonen as hell, my dude. <laughs> uh, yep. And I loved some of the all the twices saying a bunch of different comments. Like Oh yeah, I didn't write all those down, but like there's a
0: basically an entire panel of just a bunch of twices. Just saying Saying different things.
1: Saying different things. Some of them are agreeing with other Twices. Like one of them at one point (laughs) is like, guys, Toga is dying. (laughs) Like just it was really well done.
0: Yeah. Uh, Number four, I have Act Age. Because again, I really liked the like portrayal of Yonagi and her like, yeah, just give me a a couple days. I'm going to get over this. I'm going to figure
1: out how to act opposite you. I'm going to do it. Yep. Yeah. So my number three was Chainsaw Man. And like when we were discussing the chapter, I really liked the fight scene, and a lot of it was the artistry of having those fingers come out of the panel to clearly show that some other entity is messing around with the sword flicks. And that sounds like the sort of thing I would love, so... Yeah, it, it's something that maybe after this you should look at again, uh, Like I said, I
0: read the chapter twice, because I felt like I was missing something, and I just... Well,
1: clearly you were. Well, maybe that's going to explain to me. I'll see it. Yeah, because I just... I thought it was really cool, like... It caused me to take a double take because he was like, stab the guy. Then something else happened. Then something said one. I was like, well, that seems kind of weird. Why did he stab the guy and then something happened? And then I noticed that I saw a weird finger coming off literally out of the center of the page and flicking it. And I was like, all right, that's really cool idea to show that this entity is manifesting from like outside reality to mess with this sword. And number three, I have my hero. Like you said, it's really
0: right in the high of last week. And I don't know if it would have gotten as high without that. But Twice is really good in it. The parts without Twice are a lot less good. And like I said, the chapter ending kind of had me scratching my head in a, well, I'm not sure why they did that kind of way. Yeah. But I guess it gets this arc over with quicker. And I am excited. Not that I haven't liked this arc, but I've been a lot more negative than I think any other arc of
1: My Hero Academia. Yeah. And so I would like to move on from it. And I'm also... I'm kind of glad that they just don't yada yada over the fact that they stall for like two hours or how, like an hour and a half or whatever long it is. It's the doctor being like, okay, your plan was a good one. I'm going to send Gigantomachio to help you out to defeat him, like to earn his respect, essentially. So I, like I said, I'm kind of glad it's like Food Wars did it, which didn't bother me too much. It was like, yeah, Arena also won her semifinals match, like just yada yada over the thing and it being a little bit more in-universe explanation rather than, all right, so Twice just used his clones to literally distract the Meta Liberation Army for two hours, which could happen, but I also don't want to see, like, three chapters of him just being like, I'm being distracting. Fair. So my number two was The Last Sayuki. Mine as well.
0: Like I said, it felt more transition than normal, and a lot of the exposition kind of went over my head, but the fight scene was really cool as yeah. brief as it was and like the emotional bits were good and there's like typical anime changing gag in there that i didn't even bring up but it does pretty much land yep yeah i just where she's com- like hey, i have to change I'll don't look and he like says something like profound to her and turns to make eye contact
1: Yep. and, and, and then she-
0: as it expels it's her fist in his
1: face yep well i also just love he's like all right no we need to go get to short older guy because i can't ever remember his name Furuka. sure and her being like, no, I need to change in my Ling Ling outfit. And him being like, really right now, <laughs> like we're kind of in the middle of something. You need to change into your battle clothes. I also like the Kohaku and Ryunosuke blink thing with the mark on his forehead.
0: Yeah. It looks really good both times.
1: Yeah. And like, not just the art of it, but the fact that they're like explaining it, that this is more of a thing because the two of them are able to sense that all of the beasts are coming together. like, it's then basically going, oh, no, all the demon or all the monsters are merging into one. So our mutual number one is One Piece.
0: Yep. Because that's like, like, it's all good, right? The Straw Hats in action is always it was, super nice to see. And it, I didn't realize how long it had been until it started happening.
1: Yeah. Uh, it has been a while since I've seen the Straw Hats battling together. And so that was just kind of a cool moment of, especially with them kind of being like, oh, but this might give away the plan. Like, we need to kind of be careful about it. And then being like, no, for Nakama. Uh, yeah. And them just all jumping in to help one another out was really cool.
0: And Usabi doesn't even have, like, the hesitation
1: panel, which is no. nice. And it's cool to see Frankie taking bullets. It's cool to see Frankie taking bullets. We see his modified version of the strong right where he literally shoots his fist out. We see Nami starting to do something with one of her staves, although we don't actually see what the effect of that is. But it's just nice to see the Straw Hat crew doing stuff.
0: And also, like I said, I'm real curious about that uh, samurai guy whose name I do have written down. Kiyoshiro. I'm really curious what his deal is.
1: Yep. And the bit with Killer... At the end, I'm pretty sure he was the guy that was sent after Zoro.
0: He was. Now, once you said his name, for whatever reason, reading his name, like, I wasn't sure who he was. But once you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy, obviously.
1: Yeah. And it was just kind of like, wait, that's killer. Because, like, I didn't make that connection to the guy in the mask. And so I kind of understand why... Kid is kid, so pissed. Kid is pissed, and the especially the explanation of it, like the reason you wore the mask was to stop yourself from laughing because people always made fun of your laughs, which is a huge thing in One Piece. One Piece. And he's like, "Why are you laughing now?" And Hayagoro being like, "Oh no, he's been affected by the smile fruit."
0: Yeah, and then Luffy saying, "Hey, I'm the one who decides who gets to die." Yeah, yeah, that's not very Luffy, but it is pretty rad. And also, we've been building up the Big Mom crashing this party for a while yeah. now. so I so was I'm excited that
1: she's here. Yep, definitely excited.
0: Yeah, One Piece is like I think the one chapter this week that I don't have any criticism of, which is why it gets number one. And like I like I've said this whole time, I don't want to sound too down on it. Just this week, not a lot impressed me. I put One Piece at number one, and anytime I put One Piece at number one, I expect something to beat it because it's kind of the default number one since One Piece is always good. Mm -hmm. and so it's always a little disappointing unless it's a really good chapter of one piece and it was a pretty good one yeah but it's always a little disappointing to me when one piece claims number one spot because like i said it's almost got it by default but speaking of one piece we're going to read a manga that was very contemporary with it at the time and about 10 years ago it was really hard to talk about one without talking about the other yep and that is naruto so we will catch you after the break All right, so this week we read Naruto Volume 1, and again, I'm kind of surprised it took us this long to get to it. Once we didn't do it in the
1: first week, I did kind of think it was going to be a little while, but... Yeah, because we've been kind of theming the months, it's kind of hard to stick. All right, well, it fit not perfectly into the first month, but it was one of the contenders for the first month.
0: It was just between that and One Piece, and it's... Like, between the two, One Piece won the war, right? Yeah. Which is not to say Naruto is bad in any way, and that's what I was really struck by reading this, is the thing I want to say up front, is if you haven't read Naruto, either because it was super popular at the time and you didn't want to get into it, or you got into manga when it was kind of halfway in and it seemed like a big investment, or you're just relatively new to manga, go back and read Naruto. It's all on Shonen Jump's Viz website for the ninety nine. That's actually how I read it this week. Yeah, I got a box set of the first part of Naruto. And, like, Naruto's not perfect. It really struggles in the last third in particular. Mm -hmm. But the first third is really good shonen stuff. Yep. And the second third isn't bad. It stumbles a little more. And the ending is super strong. It just gets to a point where it gets kind of too caught up in its own bullshit. Yeah. And even that's okay if you're reading it. But going back to the beginning, it's really strong. And it's weird to see it stumble in some similar ways to Samurai 8. Yep. which makes sense given they're by the same author. But the first chapter, I think, is stronger than Samurai 8's because I think Naruto is a more compelling, not a more compelling character than Hachimaru either. Even, I do think he is, but I don't think that's a fair comparison to make since we've had Hachimaru for eight chapters. Eight chapters? Four, four. chapters. And Naruto is around for decades. But I think his, like, core
1: problem is more interesting than Hachimaru's to me. At least and at least initially. Like, Hachimaru might start to develop more later we don't know but i definitely agree for his initial problem naruto's is much more compelling than hachimaros also though it's weird like the second
0: chapter is a little superfluous rereading it for this podcast i actually realized it sets up a lot of stuff that's important thematically to naruto mm-hmm. so it's not like a total wash it's just a thing where as soon as sasuke is introduced into this series that's when naruto becomes naruto the series yep. and that's chapter three that's in this volume Yep. So we have, like, most of this volume, over half of it, has Sasuke in it. And he's just a so such an important character to Naruto, the character's dynamic. Yep. And he doesn't take over the manga, uh, in know, anyway. Even much, much later down the line where he literally takes over the manga for a story arc. Yeah. It still feels like this weird thing where we're with this side character for a while. Yeah. But he's so important to Naruto, the character. Like, that relationship is really at the core of the series. So it's kind of almost weird that he's not in the first two chapters. Although, like I said, the first chapter, I think, is actually just a very compelling unit of manga. Yeah. It's a very strong opener. And the second chapter is really important for some of Naruto's character and like a bunch of the themes that are going to be coming later on.
1: Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention that I thought was just weird is for the Naruto translation, they translated all of the sound effects, like all of them. And most manga that I read don't actually tend to do that I that much. I didn't notice that, but I did notice some odd translation stuff. I had a physical volume, and I wonder if this is different. Although it totally could be, because in the digital one, literally everything like so you'll see "foosh" and like "shing" and, like written out in English, and it just really threw me for a loop. Because I'm used to seeing the Japanese characters in the background and just understanding, like, not knowing what they mean, but understanding what they mean and what they're conveying. And seeing the word whoosh written out in Sasuke's Fireball and just being like, that seems weird to me because I'm not used to them translating the sound effects.
0: There were lots of translation things I really noticed, though,
1: especially because the Naruto anime
0: is, I feel like, maybe the first really popular one that just was like, it's fine if we throw Japanese stuff in here. Particularly, yeah. they call him Kakashi Sensei in the official dub, for example. Yeah. But like instead of the word shadow clones, they're called doppelgangers. And yep. that's not a bad translation by any means. It's just seemed weird because Naruto, like I said, to me, is one of the ones that started throwing a lot of that Japanese culture stuff in. Similarly, the sexy no jutsu was called the centerfold technique, which especially in a comic, I think is a funny joke. Yeah. And it's a fine translation, but that's always been sexy jutsu to me because even in the English anime,
1: that's what they that's call what they it. call it. Yeah. And I think it was really the doppelganger thing that threw me for a loop because it makes his shadow clone technique seem different than the one he tries for the entrance exam because that one's also called doppelgangers. Yeah. And it's like, well, this is different because these are shadow clones as opposed to those are just like illusion clones. That he's trying to make. So, like, they're trying, that's a way to differentiate the techniques, but when you just call them doppelgangers, it feels like they're the same And the-, I- the translation. And just knowing, well, it's the Kagibushin nojutsu, like, I, because, like you said, it's the one that started really using a lot of the Japanese terms. And since they're, like, technique names, it doesn't throw me for a loop. Like the Kamehameha, not calling it, like, the Energy Blast or something like that. And with the Kagebushin specifically, I wonder if that's an anime to manga difference.
0: I wonder if the manga later makes that differentiation, but soon enough that the anime is able to start with it and make that differentiation. I don't know that, but I do wonder if if they're called the same thing in the original Japanese as well. That
1: actually is totally possible. And maybe that was just so, like you said, maybe that was something where that was something the anime took of, oh, well, it's called this later because, like in the little short stories he mentions, oh, Kakashi had a completely different look and was going to show up in volume two rather than... Chapter two. Chapter two, not chapter four, three. He shows up at the end of three. Yeah, and he was going to be completely different, but talking with the editor, we made these decisions, so clearly, maybe that happened with the technique names, and maybe the translations start doing that too. Like, I've noticed, a lot of the time it's fan translations, but I have noticed translations change in between chapters like that where they're like oh we call it this thing even in some anime we'll call it this thing but then they realize okay well i mean everybody calls it the you know luffy goes gamu gamu no not gum gum yeah for a lot of the techniques because like well it's the japanese technique like that's the technique name like even in japan if you're using colgate toothpaste they call it colgate they don't have some weird translation for what colgate means
0: Yeah, and one thing I want to talk about that I really appreciated reading Naruto for this podcast was how good the author is at setup and payoff. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think we've really seen that that much in Samurai 8 yet. But like when Kakashi first appears, he just has this offhand mention of, oh, hey, Naruto's milk spoiled. That always seemed like a random thing to me. That was just maybe a characterization thing of Naruto. Mm -hmm. But I realized it's actually to explain the dumb diarrhea joke that's a plot point earlier. And it's a dumb diarrhea joke still, but like at at least the spoiled milk thing actually becomes funny to me when the diarrhea is just kind of set up. Yeah. And there's a much more dramatic version of that in the first chapter that I do not remember the details of now. I just have it down in my notes. And I think it's the bit about him. I think I was just talking about the clone jutsu, specifically, and how he's so bad about it. But like, Uruka finds him, and he's tried really, really hard. And now he can create all these
1: physical clones. Yep. Yeah, he literally summons thousands of them. Like, he, he struggled to create one, but because he found this hidden scroll technique, it's like, oh, cool. I learned how to do this one technique, and now I can make thousands of myself. And, like, even Aruka's impressed, like, wow, he managed to make, not only did he manage to make a flesh and blood clone that's like an actual physical entity, like, that was impressive enough that that would be just making one of them would be impressive, but he made thousands of them.
0: Yeah, and I've, another point I think that's important to emphasize, because that's not a thing I think about when I think about Naruto a lot, but I think it's going to become important when we talk about when we talk about him on personality power level, is there's a bit where it just shows how hard Naruto is working like to do this. It's not just that he found this secret scroll and then he mastered this technique. He spent a day like out in the woods just trying
1: his hardest. Yep, yeah, and he mentioned, he's like, so I looked at this scroll but I only managed to memorize the first technique.
0: Yeah, and it's just makes him very similar to another character we have very high on our list and that's a connection that i've always made like intuitively and i've always considered the characters to be very much cut from the same cloth yeah but i haven't really gone back to naruto since reading my hero academia i'll just say what it is and so i'm just seeing a lot more of it now that i'm looking for it yep But, like, once we get to the second half of this volume, it's not the Sasuke show because he doesn't take over. It's more Naruto. But, like, his presence is so powerful from the beginning. Yep. And, like, the first thing is just Naruto going, oh, he thinks he's so cool. I hate that guy. Which is straight up like a Saturday morning cartoon. I mean, that's the first, literally, the first Charlie Brown comic strip. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also this like great like Saturday morning cartoon setup later where Erika is announcing the squads. He's like, "Well, Squad Seven is going to be Naruto and Sakura," and it's just a panel of like Naruto with his hands up, like "Yay!" and Sakura like utterly depressed. And then the next panel is like, "And Sasuke," and they're reversed. Yeah. And it's 100% a Saturday morning comics strip setup, but it's done really well. Yeah. And just like I said, a lot of the like comic craft in the early Naruto is just so much better than I remember it being even though I remember early Naruto being good. Mm -hmm. And again, the second half of this is mostly just the bell test, which I am just assuming people are familiar with. But basically, in order to become a real ninja squad, they have to pass this test created by their squad leader, Kakashi, where he has two bells, and there are three of them, and they have to retrieve them, and the person who does not
1: will not receive lunch. And will also be sent back to the academy for training, Yeah, because he mentions that only... 33% 33% of the ninjas that graduated with you will actually go on to become ninjas. Like, it's a, there's a 66% failure rate, so you'll have to go back to get additional training. And yeah. in this squad, one of you will have to go back. Yeah.
0: And, like, it, it's weird because the Bell Test is only one episode in the anime because it's a good anime adaptation, at least at first. Yep. But it doesn't even conclude in this volume of the manga. Nope. It ends halfway through with Kakashi being like, well, you don't all have to worry about getting the bells anymore because I've decided you all fail. And also, I'm not sending you back to the academy because you're hopeless. Yep. And there's, I don't have a lot to say about the bell test. There's some really good combat stuff. There's some Naruto using his clones in a clever way, which is always nice. There's Sasuke being both very tough and clever. Yep. The fights are pretty interesting. They don't have quite have that Akira Toriyama impact on the blows. But a lot of times what he does is instead of seeing the punch, you see the moment right after. So you yeah. see the guy flying or reacting or whatever. And again, yep. it doesn't quite have that Akira Toriyama punch, but it differentiates itself and it does look good. It gives all the fights a
1: dynamic kind of ninja agility feel because everybody's always flying around. Yeah. And I think that style of kind of seeing seeing the effect rather than the actual punch works out in play with a lot of the ninja techniques, like especially the substitution Jutsu, where it's like, you see Kakashi get hit with a bunch of kunai, and then all of a sudden he's just a wooden its a wooden stump, and it kind of just gives away, like, it's got that feeling of it was so fast for you to even see it happening kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's just, in the first chapter, which, like I said, I think is really good, there's the bit where Iruka jumps in front of Naruto to take the giant shuriken,
1: but yeah. we
0: don't see the shuriken thrown, we only see it landing in Iruka. Yeah. And it's not terrible, it's still, like I said, it has a sense of momentum, but it's just doesn't have that impact? Yeah, it definitely doesn't. Although overall, like I said, my recommendation is if for whatever reason you haven't read Naruto, it's very good and you should. Yep. Certainly you should read up to the time skip. And I have a feeling that once you read through that, you won't want to stop.
1: Yeah, I it was popular for a reason.
0: Yes, exactly. I guess that's what I want to say is that it's easy to ignore Naruto as just, "Oh, it was super popular." But I feel like it holds up in a way that even Dragon Ball doesn't.
1: Yeah, and I- Especially the initial Dragon Ball. I feel like Dragon Ball Z will hold up. I think Naruto even holds up a lot better than that because it's more character driven. Probably, but I just meant I feel like Dragon Ball Z will hold up a lot better than the original Dragon Ball does. But I do agree that I think Naruto holds up better than Dragon Ball, even though I I like Dragon Ball. Well, I never actually finished reading all the original Dragon Ball, but Dragon Ball Z. I don't know that I really have much more to say about Naruto.
0: Like I said, it's good. It's a shame that this guy's arm went to hell. Yeah. Which which is another problem with the end of Naruto, is that you unfortunately get to see him getting worse and worse at drawing comics, presumably because it caused him pain and he couldn't go into as much detail, rather than because he literally got worse at it. Yeah. Which is, you know, same thing happening with the guy who does Hunter x Hunter, and that's a shame as well. It's terrible what this industry can do to
1: people, which is why I want to support them so much. Yeah. And it does it does really suck how hard they have to work and like unfortunately now people are used to weekly updates for a lot of stuff so it's very hard to be like well I've got to take a break like specifically one of the few American comics that I read which is Saga went on a year long break and I'm sure tons of people were super upset about that.
0: And that's only a monthly comic
1: to begin with. Yeah akira toriyama
0: always like when he talks about doing dragon ball it's like they threw him in the comic minds and were whipping him and demanding more and i like to make fun of him because he's like actually so put upon when all he was doing was drawing a comic but also like i get it it's a it's not a terrible job you're doing like there are people who like dream about it but it is a tremendous amount of work and it is stress on the body yep most it's
1: like being an animator under Miyazaki.
0: Yeah. Only one person can be Ichiro Odai, and they were born for this and Yep. Love it and demand that their assistants also be willing to die for them.
1: Because they are. Murata also works extremely hard. He doesn't tend to do a lot of weekly releases. It's more of a monthly release. But like, his dad died last month and he put out a chapter like two weeks later and people are like, I I can't believe That And I mean, he does amazing art, so it's like, I cannot believe that he is pushing himself this hard. Like, literally, all of your fans would understand, hey, my dad died. Like, I'm going to take some time off. Like, yeah, okay, cool, man. Like, that's a completely legitimate thing.
0: And I don't want to speculate about his motivations, but conversely, there are some
1: people who, when that happens, they need to work. Yeah, and maybe that's the case, but I just, I love reading a lot of the Reddit comments because... Almost all the comments on those chapters are super positive. So it's very nice to hear people being like, oh, I love this part. And like, Mirata Sensi is the artist we deserve and the one we get. Like, I can't believe it. Yeah. And like I said, there are some tremendously talented people. But like,
0: I always talk about Food Wars. That's like a metaphor for Shonen Jump to me. It is this like battleground where these artists and creators struggle to like create the best project.
1: Yeah. Because you get cut, it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And. I do understand that whole sense of competition is what makes the best product. And it's like, and well, as unfortunate it is to think about the people who are on that battlefield, it's great being the consumer, knowing that only the best of the best are the guys pumping out stuff in this or uh, the ones that last long. So like if the series is going long, it's one of the best that has to offer and they kind of have to, Oh, it's not like I made it into Shona jump and then can just skate. I have to, like, keep making good stories and keep making good art.
0: Yeah, because you don't want to end up like Bleach. Yeah. And I, what I'm just saying is I'm also a guy who has pirated manga in the past when I was younger. Most of the time I was reading Naruto, it was pirated. but So I'm just saying, if you can support these people, because they are, you know, throwing their lives into this product for you,
1: and they deserve, you know, some recognition at least. Yeah, Monetary in addition to artistic. Yeah, I honestly didn't even realize that, like, for the longest time, I didn't realize that there was a way to read them online officially. Like, I thought it was just something with, well, the only way for me to do it would be to buy the physical volumes. And, like, I didn't have that much, I didn't have much money as a kid. And, like, I didn't have a ton of space either. So it was like, all right, so I only have a limited budget. And manga is... Not one of the hobbies that I don't like the most, but it's one of the hobbies that, like, I am I just read a couple of manga. But even that, you know, is 10 bucks a volume, and I kind of want to keep up with the current story, but I can't do that if I'm waiting for the volume releases. And like I said, I get it. I was there as well. I just, it's easier than it ever has been.
0: Yeah. And, like, they deserve some of the money.
1: Yeah. Like, so that was kind of what got me into reading Shonen Jump was finally, it was one of the... Strangely enough, it was one of the fan translators kind of being like, hey, Shonen Jump is only, at, at the time, because it was a, month, a yearly subscription, it was like, Shonen Jump is only $25 a year. And it was when I was reading My Hero, and it was literally the fan translator being like, hey, you should go support Shonen Jump. Like, they, they do my job for me. Well, not my job, but they do what I do for me, and you should go support them. And I just thought that was really cool, and I think it's funny that that's how i got into reading shonen jump as a magazine was because of a fan translation at the end being like hey you should go support the official release it's really cheap and you get access to all of shonen jump
0: all right do we have anything else we want to say about this nar this naruto volume that that's technically correct yeah i like
1: you said i really liked it and it did kind of surprise me that the bell test takes like half of the volume and we're not even done. But it also makes sense from a manga standpoint because, like you, I remember the anime where it's like, yeah, it's a single episode to do this, which makes sense. It's like, you know, 19 pages a chapter and fight scenes take up a lot of space on a page.
0: Yeah. And they're good fight scenes, too. So which makes them nice. It's just, from a pacing perspective, weird to think of as, as the Bell Test arc, which is definitely what it is. Yes. When it is an episode in the manga and i'd even argue in the anime and i'd even argue chapter three which is just the introduction of sakura and sasuke is its own story which is also i believe part of that same episode i think so so yeah if that's all we have to say i guess it's time to move on to personality power level what does the scouter say about his power level so personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst at the top we have everybody's favorite green naruto izuki midoriya from my hero academia in the center, we have Asta, another very Naruto-inspired character Yep, from Black Clover. And at the bottom, we have that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. I could really stretch and relate him to Naruto, but I'm not gonna. Are we in agreement that Naruto's a top shooter? Yeah. I think he's better than Midoriya, if I'm being 100% honest with you. I like Midoriya more because he's that quiet, earnest person, and that's the way I am as well. The main difference is Naruto has been around for 20 years now and we've get to, we've got to see how he works in different roles and he works well in almost all of them. Like we talked when we were reading Boruto about how neither of us were super excited for it, but it was cool to see Naruto in this father teacher role and he really worked there. And I think about that bit at the end of like, after he finds out who his dad is, where he's the hero of Konoha and he's like having to deal with the fact that people think he should be Hokage and like this weird flip where he's like people like, I don't think I'm ready and everybody's saying I should. And all I ever wanted was recognition, which I have now. Yep. And I think that's super good. So I actually think Naruto's just because of time better than Midoriya. I think Midoriya could pass him because he hasn't really done anything bad yet. And there's bad stretches of Naruto, but I don't think he's been around long enough to say he's better than
1: Naruto. I think I still like Midoriya more than Naruto as a character, just because of a little bit of the differences in their personality. Like, they are quite similar in a lot of the stuff that they do. And I realize Naruto has been around a lot longer, but while that is a thing for him, I kind of don't want to be like, oh, well, just because he's been around longer, I like him more.
0: I agree with you, and that's not what I'm trying to say. I, I get that. What, as what well. I'm more saying is that Naruto's as a character has been tested in more situations and yeah. been good in them. That and Midoriya just hasn't had those opportunities yet, which doesn't mean we can't later say, "Oh yeah, Midoriya's eclipsed Naruto. He's the better character now." But I am a big Dragon Ball fan, and like Vegeta and Goku don't do well when you try to continue Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Like Goku gets the Goku problem where he's the only important character. And Vegeta's done better in Dragon Ball Super in particular where he gets to be a family man. Yeah. But like Naruto just works in Boruto and he feels like the same character in the right role. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, we're definitely in agreement. He is either number one or two, right? Yes. I'm definitely leaning towards one. If you want to put him at two, I guess we can. But I feel pretty strongly that he's the number one guy. All we right. could also flip a coin. That's a dumb resolution, but is there, a super are only, dumb resolution. there are
1: only two of us. This is yeah. This is the problem with ranking when there's two of us and we have a disagreement. When normally we're just kind of like, oh, you can sway me one way or the other. I guess I could. I could leave the best boy at number two. <laughs> like I said, I prefer Midoriya to Naruto.
0: I just don't think he's got he's earned the number one spot yet. I mean, and he had it for 31 episodes. So yeah, I guess 30. We or I guess. 27. We did not rank him until fourth. But, like, Midoriya is amazing. And I have a feeling by the end of My Hero Academia, I will say, oh yeah, he was better than Naruto. But he's not there yet.
1: I gotcha. I guess I can fold to that argument. Alright, so Uzumaki
0: Naruto is the new number one above Izuki Midoriya. And yeah, there are very few characters who I think have a shot of going above them.
1: Yeah. There are a handful I think we can debate, but... Yeah. One of the reasons why both of those manga are so popular is the strength of the main character.
0: Yeah, and they're both very character-driven. Yes. All right, so that pretty much does it for this week. Got a little heated at
1: the end there. What are we going to read next week, Kevin? So next week, we're going to read uh, another fan favorite that we've actually been talking about this episode, which is Hunter Hunter.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty new on the Hunter Hunter train, but I do really like that guy because I'm a huge Yu Yu show fan, and I like Hunter Hunter pretty well as well. So in the meantime, if you want to listen to our old episodes, you can do that at www.lastpodcast.com. That's also where you'll find the personality power level list, as well as a link to our Discord if you want to talk to us and yell at us for putting Naruto above the best boy and tell us that Kevin was right. Or side with Jeremy and say that he was right and I'm wrong. I'm not used to that. You can also find my other two podcasts there, Last Time on Video Games, which is a bi-weekly video game review show where we play old video games. We just did Tetris and Dr. Mario, so that might be interesting to you. Uh, you can also find It's a Gundam there, my episode-by-episode gun- episode Gundam Seed podcast that is right now in the real high point of Gundam Seed. I think we just released the my favorite episode this week. It might be next week, but it's very close if it hasn't happened already. If you like the show, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice, or just tell a friend about how we argued for five minutes about Naruto versus Midoriya, but not who would win a fight because that would be dumb Naruto's powers get dumb at the end of the series, and I have a feeling Midoriya's will too by the end of My Hero. Yep. (laughs) Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is a Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Is there anything you'd like to plug this week, Kevin? Not this week. All right, we'll see you next week.